What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Philly Insider Podcast. We got a Sixers vid for you guys today. We got Hunter Doyle on here, Nate Tussing, both excellent writers for their respective teams pages. Check those out below. And let's get into our Sixers, boys. I just got a few topics I just want to run through with you guys. Our team is first in the East right now. Now, whether you think that'll last or not, it's still a great thing to hear. We haven't been in that position of like dominance in the East for a while now. We're usually around the three, four seed. And you see our team has really taken hold of the reins this year. And Bede is having an MVP year so far. We're shooting from the three. And we're actually making shots from the three. Always a nice sight to see for us Sixers fans. Oh my goodness, we haven't seen that in a long time. But given our current seeding, our position in the Eastern Conference, my first thing for you guys, Hunter, we'll start with you is, where do you think this team finishes in the East? And how do you think we stack up against Western Conference teams, especially? Uh, first, and we're going to win the finals. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. So, no, no, I'm right. <laughs> I, I think we stack up really well. I think Brooklyn's going to be a big hump because, you know, we're a defensive team. That's kind of our identity. Yeah, obviously we can get it done on the offensive end pretty well, but defense is definitely our, our priority. And obviously they're the complete opposite. They're an offensive team and they have three guys who are MVP caliber players, whether you want to you know, debate Kyrie Irving or not, whatever. We can all admit he's a great player, how he will fit with them the rest of the season. Another question we'll see, but until I see, until I see that team fall apart, I'm not going to count them out as, as much as I hope and think they might fall apart. Other teams, I think, you gotta you gotta watch out with you know sleeping on them because while we're first, there's always gonna be a sleeper team every year in the playoffs, like the Nuggets were last year. I know they weren't like one of the last seeds, but that's not how it works in the NBA. You're not gonna get an eight and seven seed winning every year. It's just not how it works. But where they were seeded, they they were really I think it's safe to say they weren't expected to be a Western Conference Finals team. Was there a decent chance? Yes, but there's gonna be teams like that who pop up in the East who we're gonna have to play, right? So. I think it's hard to just count any of them out, especially when you have a Celtics team that has Jalen Brown playing at an MVP, not MVP, all-star level right now with an MVP coach and Brad Stevens. Um, and I know that's not a thing, MVP coach, but you get the point. I think you look at the box. I think we can defend Giannis. Well, I think we match up with that team really well. But again, we, we haven't gotten to the point where we've been able to play them in the playoffs yet. So we can't really even say with confidence that we could, we could definitely take them down. I think we can but we haven't seen it play out at all in the playoffs because we can't even get past the, the first or second round, right? The Heat, I think, it's in that 2-3 zone, it messes us up every time. Don't like that, but I do think we are capable of beating them. So as much as, as confident as I am in the Sixers right now, we got to keep it, things in perspective and realize that playoffs is a different animal. There's different coach, well, not different coaching. You stick to your identity, but there's still going to be, it's going to be different in the playoffs for a number of reasons. So you know, you need to keep an eye out. They need to keep their foot on the gas pedal and, and keep going like they are right now to keep to keep <laughs> to keep up this pace. I mean, they're really just clicking on all cylinders. It's got to stay that way. I got you, Nate. Before we move on to you, Hunter. So where do you think we finish seating wise in the East? I think we're going to finish first. I, okay. you know, I think my whole point here is that I don't know if I'm confident enough to say we're going to go all the way. In, you know? I got By you. all the way, I mean making the finals. So I didn't touch on the Western Conference part. I'll just say that real quick. I think the Western Conference is a different animal like the playoffs in general are. And I think that's going to be tough to beat a team like the Lakers. But I think making the finals should be the goal at least this year. And obviously you, you want to win it if you get there. But I got you. Nate, lead it off, man. Yeah, I mean, um, I think 
something that if you look at the last few years, we've had success, you want to say, but we haven't had, you know, uh, I'll, I'll call it international success. What I mean by that is being in the clutch in the big games against the best teams. We may be good in our division, you know, but when you, when it comes to the, the some of the best teams in the league, we'd fall apart uh, in the last few years. This year is a different animal. First off, uh, I, I'm really impressed of how fast this team took off. I know Hunter and I thought that Doc Rivers implementing a new system would take a little bit of time and you could argue it did, but the team has just been playing 150%. Um, we, we've, we've went through COVID, you know, uh, injuries, you know, stuff like that, where we had seven people, Therese Max, he looks like he can step up. Um, you have people that you didn't expect are playing better, you know, um, to, Tobias Harris is playing really well. Um, at the beginning of the year, um, I think it was after like three or four games, Seth Curry's shooting looked a little iffy, but he's gotten back Danny Green. I really like this team where we're at. We have these players for a few more years, so we don't have to win it this year. That should be the goal. But if we don't win it this year, we're not screwed. It's not everybody's done. You know, we have a lot of these players for the next few years. We have Doc Rivers. You know, I'm really excited about this team. Um, as far as the East goes, um, we've played some some pretty tough Eastern opponents. I think that the, the game that I knew that the, the Sixers were legit. Now, this may not sound, you know, the, um, like it was much of a win, but we beat the Magic um, when they were uh, undefeated and they were the best team in the league, you know, and we and we just took it to them. It was a pummel. And it was just to show that, like, we can go up against anyone, and, and this is a special team. As far as where we're going to be seated, the Nets are going to be in trouble. You know, they're definitely a very well-coached team, you know, Somehow their chemistry is working together. James Harden finally has shut up and started being a team player. Um, Kevin Durant will continue just break ankles. Um, Kyrie, like Hunter said, I don't know. He what pushed he's off. Do. I know the ankle breaker referencing, and he pushed off. <laughs> he I don't want to hear it. <laughs> he's broken ankles before, though. Besides right, that, um, but uh, they're definitely going to be problematic. Um, I don't know how we match up against them. We haven't seen the full, you know, team. Um, we've we we match like Hunter said. We match up well against the Bucks. The Heat and the Raptors do not look that good. However, they will still give us problems, but I don't even think they'll be in the playoffs this year. So that's that's a relief, but they're always going to give us problems. We struggled against the Heat, the Raptors, though, Sergey Ibaka, I think it's how you say his name, is not. Serge Ibaka, yeah. He's, he's not on that team, So uh, and, and neither is Gasol. So, you know, Embiid will have a lot more of uh, less trouble there. Um, I think a big question is going to be how how – healthy and be can stay how you know rested he can stay because you know he's had to sit out a few games and, and we haven't won a game with with him out which i think is a slight problem you know um he doesn't just help the team with with points but just taking a double triple team i was watching the game yesterday and there were five people all coming at Embiid, and he ends up getting fouled and then drilling two free throws so he, he really does play a factor i think with a healthy and beat a healthy team we can go high playoffs you know conference championship the finals we've shown that we can compete against some of the best of the best we just took it to town to the lakers i get it was close but we still put up a good fight even if we lost the game i would still say we we definitely can compete with people like the lakers the east i'd say is a little bit softer than the west the jazz are on an 11 game winning streak you got the clippers you got the lakers so it's going to be tough to talk to knock down those teams in, in the finals but i think it, I wouldn't be surprised if we cruise through the playoffs to the finals, taking down the Bucks, the the Nets, you know, the, the Celtics. Now they're certainly going to be a different type of game, but I just don't see a way where with a healthy Embiid and a healthy team, we lose four games to those players.
So I got you. For, for me, I'm taking first or second in the East all the way to the finals. Depending on who we play in the finals, I'll assess if we win or not. Fair enough, Nate. I really do think it's probably like you guys both mentioned. I think it's Brooklyn is the competition for that one seed, especially mm-hmm. just they can load manage a guy every night and still have an MVP on the court. So like that's you think about that, that's a bit terrifying. But continuing on to the next topic, let's talk about the big man, guys. Embiid, what he has been, what is he averaging now? It's like 35 and like 12 or something. Like he has been turning up big this season. The health, being able to rest in between games. Doc's been having him like make sure to take care of his injuries, make sure to keep him in shape to play. And you talked about it, Nate. This man is drawing double teams, triple teams, quadruple teams. He's drawing the whole team. <laughs> and he is still getting buckets. But we also have another player on this team, which we also need to talk about. And one of our guys in our pods loves this dude. And the Sixers fandom, I think, is fairly split over him. Ben Simmons. Un- First off, before we say anything about Ben, because some people who watch this pod without getting all the context might think we hate Ben. We do not. We recognize that Ben is one of the most elite defenders in the league. Let's get that out the way. We recognize that. We recognize when he is aggressive, he can play make and score without even needing to shoot the ball. But without Embiid, it's become painfully clear that Simmons can't do jack. Like maybe that'll change as the season goes on. But so far, without Embiid, Simmons really doesn't seem to assert himself in this lineup. Like you'd expect in the games without Embiid, Simmons would assert himself as the number two, as the guy. He'd step up, score a few more points, grab a few more boards, make a few more plays. But that just doesn't seem to be the case. So let's talk about our two superstars, guys. Nate, you start off on this one. What do you think of Embiid's MVP tear? And what do you think we do with this whole Ben Simmons situation? Are you on the line of trade him, give him the year, and then trade him if possible? Or what's your whole idea on it? I'm just going to say right here, I called Ben Simmons, or not Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid having a great season, drafted him in fantasy basketball. He's paying off well. Um, the first thing I think is is Embiid looks just better, like healthier. Like, I don't know if he changed his appetite, if he's just doing you know more stuff, but he just looks a little more he, – he looks a little bit more alive. And on top of that, he's playing smart basketball. And people think this is scummy, but he draws a lot of fouls, which – and I mean a lot of fans. Sometimes he flops. I remember I was watching the Lakers game. There was a lot of, you know, that. But it's smart. If you think about it, Embiid is one of the best free throw shooters in the league. So drawing a foul is perfect for just getting two points. On top of that, he gets 10 seconds in between each, you know, in between each thing, which is plenty of time for him to rest. So he's playing. He knows his weaknesses are stamina. And he's using that that um, that weakness. He's exploiting this this free throw thing, taking these fouls to be able to get a little bit more. I like that. They were talking about it yesterday that he's drawing a lot of fouls. He's able to rest up a little bit. I know it's not much, but it's enough. It's something for him, you know. So I like that about him. The guy is a big dude, so it's not just his appetite or his ethics that are why he's tired. He's almost you know three hundred pounds and seven seven thousand feet tall. So that's, that's a dude, lot of dude, man. It is. And it's, it's tough to play consistent basketball, but he's been doing a good job. I think he's only sat out. Was it four games? Something like that. And unfortunately we lost all four games, but I mean, when we have him, you know, we're uh, 14 and two, right? So that's a good ratio. I really like uh, Joel. I think he's taking this, um, this leadership role just out the, out the roof. He, he's drawing plays, drawing fouls, helping the, the team offensively. Doc and him are working well. I like, I like Joel. 
can't wait to see what he does throughout the rest of the year. I would love to see him win his MVP. He deserves it. I think he just was um, the third, the third sixer to get 45 points and 10 rebounds or something like that. Or second, I think maybe third or second. Um, but anyway, Somewhere in there. Yeah. He, he's playing lights out as far as Ben. I'm going to say this right now. I stopped being a Ben Simmons fan the day uh, Jimmy Butler left the Sixers. I know what you're thinking. Nate, how dare you pick Jimmy over Ben? I am a weird fan. Okay. I did not like Ben Simmons because um, Jimmy Butler would be someone that would get in your face and tell you what you're doing is wrong. And he would attack your ego. And I think Ben Simmons has a good bit of an ego and uh, a bit of pride. And that's why he doesn't like to do things he's uncomfortable with. The guy has been the same for three years. He's going to work on that jump shot. He's going to improve his game. And every year it's the same thing. He takes like two three pointers, the entire Sixers fan base freaks out and he doesn't do anything else. You know, I mean, he's maybe taken what two, three more, three, 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 three pointers this, uh, this year. Hey man, every time he takes one of those threes, my heart jumps a little bit. (laughs) I'd say that's the thing. Like it shouldn't be that way. He needs to, regulate this jump shot i don't care if he takes a 500 three through five 500 three pointers and misses all of them as long as he's starting to take them because it's it's kind of like um when you guys would have jalen hurts the eagles would have jalen hurts in a game in the wild dog formation before he was a starter it's like it's obvious he's he's gonna there's something he's he's taking the ball you know it was obvious that like ben nobody no, everybody knows he's not gonna take a shot outside the ring so why cover him we're just gonna you know crowd the paint and then and then he's screwed because then joel is you know, double, triple covered there. Ben tries to charge it. He gets an offensive charging call. In, in, in years prior, him and Ben, him and Ben and Joel didn't really their their system didn't work together. This year, though, it's it, it's it's working more than it has. You know, and I don't really know what that is, but it's working a little bit more. I think it's because we have more range with like Seth Curry and um, and Danny Green. That more diversity is a lot better. But Ben's still having a, a, a relatively down year. I mean, his last two games. You know, he put up, I think, a triple-double one of the last two games, uh, 20 points. That's good. Like, that's the Ben that we knew. But it's too inconsistent. One game will put up four points. Another game will put up, you know, 20 and 10 rebounds and 10 assists and, like, three steals. His defense is amazing. I can't discredit that. And what he did against LeBron was not bad. You know, I mean, like, it's hard to guard LeBron, but he did a pretty good job. So did Matisse. Um, So, I don't Matisse's think strategy to guard LeBron was send him to the free throw line. That was it. That was Matisse's whole strat. <laughs> hey, hey, whatever works. You know, it didn't really work because we almost lost the game, but hey, he tried. Um, but as far as, as um, Ben goes in the future, I think, you know, people, people want to trade him. I, 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 I am a little bit against that because right now it, it's working. I want to say almost like our system is working right now. And if you change that up, I, I don't know what's going to happen if we swap someone out. I don't know if they're going to fit in with Joel, the system of Doc Rivers right now. Ben might not be the best fit for us, but it's working with Joel and the rest of the team. If Joel gets injured or more and more, you know, he has to take more and more days off, then I think we need to talk about this because, you know, if, if Joel is sitting out six, seven, eight, nine games, that's more than four. You know, we can handle four losses, you know, but – I think we do need to talk about training Ben Simmons in the future because I think we need an, we need another co-captain, someone that can, that can hit consistent 20 plus point games. He should be the second highest scoring player slash playmaker in this game. And sometimes he's not even in, not even the best in the starting five, you know, like there's, there's Shake Milton's doing better than him or Therese Maxey. So I, I, I like Ben, but 
I never think you should keep a player that of that caliber. You know, Ben Simmons, one of the best. Uh, trust the process. Oh, that's that's a meat oops. Um, you know, one of these new stars. Everybody's like, he's going to be the next LeBron. When it's just his defense that is good. We need someone that can be good on offense and defense. And Ben Simmons doesn't seem to be like that. And on top of that, he's averaging the most turnovers per game in his four-year career. So, or whatever your career. So that's something that can't go unnoticed. Hunter, what about you? Sorry, I went a little bit off there. It's all good. Well, I think with the first part of the question, um, Embiid is playing lights out right now. I think a big thing with him is he's become a three-level scorer. He can do it in the paint. He can do it in the mid-range with his face-up game. He can do it from three-point range, right? And he's shooting 40% from three-point range right now. And he's always been able to hit threes, but this year he's obviously hitting it at a higher clip, right? And that was in his rookie year. He was – I think he had, had like, at one point, better three-point percentage through a certain amount of games than Steph Curry his rookie year. Um, now, obviously, you know, not to, I'm not comparing him to Steph Curry, so stop freaking out in the comments right now. You can you can backspace all those things you were just about to type. But, um, yeah, he's, you know, obviously just him being the anchor of our defense is huge. You can see the, the big loss without him when we have to play guys like Tony Bradley off the bench. It hurts. And I, I just think Embiid, it's, it's good to see him just – he's always been good, but I think we got a glimpse of it in the playoffs last year. He – he had his issues in the playoffs, but he played at an MVP level considering the circumstances in that Celtics series. And this year he's continued it, and he's really elevated his game under Doc, getting to the free throw line, like you guys said, being able to just draw contact. And you guys can say he flops if, if you want, but he knows the rules. He knows how to get calls. And also now he's just Joel Embiid, so refs are going to give him calls. They know him now. Like He knows he can get those calls, and he plays smart, right? And he gets in your head, too. So I think that's a big thing with him. It's been fun to watch. As for Ben, yeah, it's it's frustrating at times. I think it's really – I think Nate said a lot of it. It's tough to just consider trading him just because of his offensive game because you have to recognize the massive defensive drop-off you're going to have, whoever you bring in here. You're not going to get another guy who can defend all five positions as well as Ben can. And, you know, you bring in a Bradley Beal – First off, they're not going to do that because they're not going to have Ben and Russell Westbrook in the same lineup. They both can't shoot, right? <laughs> then you bring a Bradley Beal. He's not really a guy who's going to facilitate your offense, right? He'll score, and he can definitely score up the dribble, right? But you're also losing a facilitator in Ben as well. Now, at the same time, if Doc can't get Ben to, to raise his game and he's going to perform the same way he has the past three or four years, I don't know who can, to be honest. I think Doc's the guy I thought was really going to get the most out of him. And obviously, it's earlier in the year. I think midseason, before before quarantine and COVID hit last year, Ben was on a tear. I mean, think people forget. This man was shooting well from the free, the free throw line. He was being more aggressive. He really got in a rhythm. Um, I'm hoping that can happen this season. I'm not going to bank on it. He is shooting better at the free throw line. I mean, he's not – don't get me wrong. He's not shooting good, but I'll take 65% <laughs> line from Ben. Um, but – I think it's tough. You kind of have to balance things. I think you have to be open to a trade. And if an opportunity comes, like, I don't, I think the hardened one they wanted from what was reported, at least, obviously we, we don't know the actual talks, but from the, some of the stuff that was reported, I would have never done some of the trades that, um, that Houston asked for. Right. But I think you have to be open to a trade, but also be mindful of me and Sanjay were talking about this um, about, I think it was Gilbert arenas at a podcast that Sanjay sent me. You have to stick to your identity as a team. You know, everyone wants to copy the Warriors now is what he was saying and become a three-point shooting team. And the Sixers are a defensive team. That's their identity, like I mentioned earlier. And Ben is a, is probably, the you know, next to Joel, 
you can even argue Ben's the biggest part of it. I, and, you know, that's that's another debate for another time. It's not really important. They're both such huge parts of it. It doesn't matter which one's more important than the other. But I think it's, you know, kind of a balance. you got to recognize, one, he, you know, the offensive production has not been there. And some nights he just goes to sleep, it feels like. Like you said, Nate, like just four points by the fourth quarter. We're like, what, what the heck, man? Like, go in the lane and go get a layup. Or he's just going in the lane. He's not finishing, too. Um, and also, I think you're losing a big fast break guy as well. So it's a balance between, you know, that and then what are you also losing in Ben? So it's really, it's really hard to judge right now. But I think that's how they got to approach it. I think they got to be open-minded when it comes to the trade deadline and not just be like, no, we're not trading Ben, but also consider we're going to need like a good return and someone who's really going to fit the team and who's going to come in here and help it. And that's the other thing is you, you bring in a guy mid-season at the trade deadline, what, March? You're, you know, look what happened when we brought Jimmy and Toby in that year. I mean, that team, that whole lineup together did not work. It just did not, in my opinion. It, they had also, they had barely played together because, you know, they were like, all right, well, we'll rest this guy tonight. We need them all healthy for the playoffs. By the time playoffs came, they just didn't really mesh well. A lot of it was just Jimmy doing his thing. And that was fine. I mean, that would, that was huge for us in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, but it just seemed like the team fit wasn't there. Um, and also that's part of that was Brett Brown, right? You know? But yeah, I think you guys get my point though. A so big part of that was Brett yeah, Brown. That's what I have to say on on Ben and Joel right now. All I thought of uh, when you said Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons on a team, I was thinking of if Lamar went to the Browns offense. It's like they're only going to run the ball. There's no <laughs> passing at oh all. Oh my gosh! The Browns average two thousand yards per game. Per game rushing. <laughs> per game rushing. Man, okay. You talked about it a little bit though, man. You got towards your concerns in the end. I have some concerns about this team, especially down the stretch. Don't get me wrong. In blowouts, I've been encouraged in blowouts lately because we keep our foot on the gas. And especially against some of the weaker teams, we just straight hand them out the door. We walk them out the door, keep the points up, keep the lead up. Our second team doesn't choke the lead or let it dwindle down. And we just roll those bad teams out the door. But against some of these better teams, and the Lakers game was a prime example of it. Against some of these better teams, they've been letting these slip these leads slip away. And now Toby bailed us out. It feels so weird to say that. Toby bailed us out against the Lakers. But that game, you could see in the back half of those minutes, there seemed to be no offensive plan. Like, even with Embiid, it just seemed to be once again back to let Embiid just take the ball down low. And I, he got bullied out of the post a couple times. But, like, there didn't seem to be any real offensive cohesion there. Luckily, defense kept things close, and it gave Toby like, – kept the gap small enough for Toby to finish things out with that fade. But that was a very poor offensive execution down the back end. And we were talking about this in our group chat as well. Does our team really have a closer? Do we need a closer? What is the issue with the back half of the fourth quarter for this team? Hunter, what do you think, man? Well, yeah, on that play, actually, um, I believe Doc said in his press conference that Joel was supposed to get the ball first, Seth was supposed to get it second, and then Toby was supposed to get it third, right? And they knew that, you know, with Joel getting the ball, Toby and Seth knew there was going to be a good chance they were both – either one of them was going to get the ball, right? And obviously Toby got it, um, and he hit the shot. So <clears throat> I think with Joel closing out games, it's tough because while he, I think he has gotten smarter on double teams, it seems like – when it comes to the, you know, the end of the game when, you know, he's got to make a quick decision and everything's kind of, it kind of seems like the pace of the game is faster. Sometimes 
that's where the mistakes start to happen. Not all the time. Right. But I think, you know, you can argue some of the time that happens. So it's tough. Cause I, I think we have, I think one thing we have to recognize is that we have a guy who can actually draw up plays with, you know, the game on the line instead of Brett Brown, who just wanted to not call a timeout, just let the guys play and try to catch the defense off guard, which, you know, worked in the process years when TJ McConnell hit a buzzer beater, but once we actually got good, it didn't work anymore. Um, and when he did, when he, I actually was almost, more mad when he called the timeout because I knew there was, it was going to be even worse execution because I would rather just have them freelancing and doing their thing than Brett Brown, try and draw something up. Cause it never worked. It was always, they like, you would see one guy move, set a screen or something. And then they'd all be like looking around and like deer in the headlights, like what's going on. So I think, I don't know if you necessarily have to have one guy. I think it is nice to have that guy. And I think a lot of teams do have it. Um, that also comes back to having a point guard who can shoot. That's a big thing. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm a Ben fan saying that, but I think the big thing is going to be Doc can kind of be our closer in a way. He can draw up plays and kind of bail us out sometimes and get that guy open. Like he can get a Seth Curry open. He can get a Danny Green open, which is kind of 50-50, right, with <laughs> the game on the line. But he can he can definitely draw things up. Now, if I think we have to pick one, I think Toby. Toby's good in the pick and roll. He is kind of getting back to what he did in L.A. under Doc, and he's good – you know, in ISO a little bit. I mean, that that one fade he hit before the the game winner, he like he tried to pump fake a couple times. He, there was like no way out. I was like, dude, pass the ball. And then, um, you know, he pulled up, hit a shot, and it was a really nice fade. So I think maybe Toby can be that guy. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say on it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think if you get if you can get a guy like Seth Curry open, um, he's going to hit shot. He's going to hit a shot down the stretch. And that's another thing is that having a guy like Seth Curry and even Danny green, who is streaky, you have to respect them. So I think that also opens up opportunities as well for other guys and having a Joel Embiid too, you have to consider all those three guys. And then that leaves a Toby free, leaves other guys free. So that's kind of my answer. Don't really have a definitive answer on that one, but. Got you, Nate. What's your take on this, man? Um, first off, I don't want to discount Toby. The guy is playing lights out. He's hitting 46 from the three, uh, 40 plus from the, uh, or 50 plus from the field goal, field goal percentage. The guy is playing a lot better. Um, I think an interesting thing is when we had Brett Brown, we go back to when we had Jimmy say what you want about the Sixers. We blow the lead in the third quarter. And then we try and scramble back in the fourth. I'd say that fourth quarter team was better than our fourth quarter team this year. And I think an interesting thing there was, was, um, we would, we wouldn't force it to Joel in the fourth quarter to put, put the game on his hands. I think that sometimes is a bad thing because teams will be expecting it. I think we need to adapt to each game differently and not have a game plan predetermined because every game, someone's going to be hot. Someone's going to be cold. And I think that's kind of what you have to look for in the fourth quarter. Who's hot. Who's cold. You know, like that goes to coaching. Exactly. Yeah, that exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it goes to see who is Danny Green putting up 30 points, you know, get the ball to him as much as you can, um, or at least use him to get the get the field more open. Um, I think just giving it to Joel, um, while Joel, you know, like Hunter said, he's been playing smart. He still makes a lot of mistakes, especially in the fourth quarter, uh, a lot of turnovers. Um, I think that's just too much, putting, giving him the ball over and over and over again. We need to we need to mix it up. Um, or just give it to the hot hand. I think that's a big thing is just if, um, you know, Toby is playing lights out in the fourth quarter, just keep, keep getting, keep feeding them, not going for these three pointers because I saw, I saw that happen a lot against the Sixers. We take some of the, we'd have some of the worst, um, some of the worst possessions on offense in the, in the fourth quarter I've ever seen. We try and run up the clock and then we just have 
0.2 seconds left and Danny would throw a three out with like four people on him and it wouldn't be anywhere close. We, we, we try and play too, too smart trying to run the clock. Just play normal basketball. There's nothing changed in the fourth quarter. You don't need to run out the time. You need to put more points up on the board. You need to win the game. That's the end of the thing. I don't like this drawing out the clock as much. It's not the same as it is in football, you know? Sure, you can wait a little bit, but don't try to get all 24 seconds out. You just just put the points up. Like, it's it's not going to – I don't know. I, I just don't like the whole stalling and then forcing to make a bad shot, and then the other team will just get a point either way, you know? So, um, I think, yeah, like Hunter said, our closer is, is Doc Rivers just – analyzing the game, um, figuring out who, does, who, who who should have the ball in the fourth quarter in these clutch situations. Um, and on top of that, I think Toby could become a closer for us. Um, I think he needs to be molded into that role. Uh, I think he might have the tools to be there, but I think he needs to be molded and pushed into that role if he is um, to be there. But um, it's, it's tough because we don't have a definite closer. And I think that's where coaching comes in, picking each game who will be this consistent you know, hitter. And so uh, that's, yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, and I hope we don't choke any more games. <laughs> yeah. And I want to mention real quick too, um, to both of our points about doc and coaching being a big thing down the stretch. I mean, Dakota Mathias hit a three pointer. He's not even on the team anymore and that well to tie the game. Right. So, um, and I yeah. believe Isaiah Joe hit a big shot in that game as well. So like it, it all comes back to coaching a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I got you. And let's end on, I wanted to end on a positive note. So this is going to be our last one for the vid. Doc Rivers, guys, I just got to, I got to speak on him really quick. He has done, he has performed about as well as you could have expected him to in this first stretch of his Sixer games. Getting the team galvanized right off the bat. We said it in our season preview. This is a team that usually starts really slow. Like it takes us a while to get into gear, get guys working together. And especially with a lot of new additions to the team, some people leaving, some people coming in. You thought this would take longer, but Doc has had everybody wheels up and gears set since game one, making sure everybody's playing with high energy. Cause that really is the thing for this team. Some of the times is just, especially like you mentioned, Hunter having a defensive identity, half of defense is just effort. How much are you willing to fight over the screen? How much are you willing to get after the guy? How much are you willing to call out directions on the court? So somebody knows when a screen's coming their way, like all that good stuff. Like doc has been rallying this team. Forget the individual player performances of, elevating Toby back to actually good level of play to borderline elite level of play. Forget him actually galvanizing Ben into a, like you mentioned, Nate, not quite the best fit in this offense, but it's a fit that's working, which is more than we've been able to say about Ben a lot of times in the past. Then Joel's obviously on an MVP there. That's enough said right there. He's been drawing up great plays to get shots to guys like Seth, to guys like Danny, guys like Shake. And even like you mentioned, Hunter, even Dakota, like, Doc's been able to draw up these plays to get guys open. Even guys who aren't necessarily the main, like key players on the team. He's been able to get them shots and get them points. He's been able to even utilize guys like Maxie and Dwight Howard, who don't necessarily have too much of an offensive repertoire at this game, but Maxie's obviously got huge scoring ability. So Doc makes sure to use that in regard to same with Dwight. Like he's just done such a good job getting the players on this team to play into their roles. And for those of you who haven't checked out that Gilbert Arenas podcast, it's on like Fubo Sports or something. It's a great listen, the way he discusses team identity. Great pod overall, honestly, check that out. But his whole point, which I'm going to elaborate a bit more on, which Hunter introduced, was that you've got to play into your team's identity. Forget even just trying to be the Warriors. 
sometimes teams just try to become this ideal version of themselves. They try to make moves at the trade deadline. They try to change their players and like mold them into what the league kind of like averages, which I guess now is basically the version of the Warriors. But Doc, you really see, I'm hoping can change that because you see him taking advantage of the guys we have, the talents we have, and using them to really inspire this team to win with great strategy. And it's just been so inspiring to watch him work. Like, what do you guys think of Doc? How do you feel so far with his time in Philly? Nate, why don't you open us on this one? Before I say anything, I'm going to say my favorite thing about Doc Rivers really quickly. Um... <laughs> oh, my God. I love, I love when he um, when he just pulls his – like, he never wears his mask when he's talking. <laughs> I get why. I just think it's the funniest thing. Um, I love Doc Rivers. Um, I think he's doing a really, really phenomenal job, and I don't think anybody else could be doing a better job than him, especially who was available at head coach last year. Um and as much as we, you know, suffered the last two years, it was worth it because we wouldn't have gotten Doc Rivers those last two years, you know. So, um, so yeah, I really like Doc. I like what you said. Um, I didn't watch that podcast, but about that team identity, you know, playing to your strengths, that's just a big thing in all of sports. And, and I think he's doing that really well. I think we're doing that well the first three quarters. Um, we're playing to our strengths. But in the fourth quarter, it can get a little iffy. Um, but regardless, you know, we're not trying to become the Lakers and get – you know, three people that are 50% from, from the three. Uh, we're just playing with our strengths. We have Joel who can do it all. Like Hunter said, he's a three, three-way shooter. Um, we've got Danny and Seth who can light up a storm. Um, I really like how he's using the bench as well. While it's not as impactful, it, it, it it's, their numbers don't show how impactful it is. And what I mean by that is Dwight Howard, he's not averaging 20 points a game. You know, he's not like the best backup to, to, um, to, to Joel, but his his plus minus is is positive. A lot of the bench players, their plus minus is po- is positive. Forcon, no offense, Sancho, but he's in the negative. Um, it's okay. Unfortunately, he'll get that. he'll get that. <laughs> but I think that's really important. Is that while when Ben, Joel, Seth, all these people are sitting resting, the game isn't. It's not a the other team isn't catching up as much. You know, the 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 backups, the bench is keeping it relatively even. And I think that's really big because a lot of teams like the, the nets, they have no depth. If all three are out, they're getting they're, whatever lead they had is getting shrunk or overtaken. So I really like how, when we don't have our stars in the game, isn't being blown out. Now it's a little different when Joel isn't playing altogether, but when he's resting, which he does a lot in the middle of games, um, he, we're, we're still keeping it, you know, winnable or we're winning, you know? So I really like that. I wish, I wish Doc would incorporate Shake and Therese a little bit more um, into this team in the sense that I think Therese is, it's really hurting him, the inconsistency in playtime. Um, coming in for two minutes really doesn't get a rhythm going. He doesn't get hot and he can't do what he wants. Shake, uh, I think sometimes is like that. Uh, he gets a lot, like when, when Shake's in, I think we should try Shake in the fifth man um, over Danny green once in a while, just to see, I just want to see because shake can as the, at least has the more common chance to blow up than Danny. At least I've seen it more this year. Um, and I really like, um, I really like have th- having shake as consistent, more consistent play time. You look at games with, um, with Ben or not Ben, sorry, Joel with like, he's played like 20 minutes tops, you know, um, and he, he, there was one game against the, uh, the heat, which we will talk about where he got four, like nine points, but, uh, the, but he, when he puts up 
you know, 20 minutes, we still win these games because um, Doc would systematically move in players that are doing better. Therese puts up five points in five minutes. Let's keep him in a little bit more. He puts up 10 points in 10 minutes, you know? And so um, I think that he needs to acknowledge that a little bit more with the younger players because I think Therese and Shake are the future, and I can't wait to, to see what they do. But um, I think, you know, he's doing phenomenal incorporating everybody into this offense, and I – uh, I have questions to see what will happen in the playoffs, but Doc's a very experienced coach in the playoffs, and I think he'll be able to do the same thing he's doing the regular season in the playoffs. All right, Hunter, close us out for this one. Yeah, I think uh, I think the off-ball movement has been really nice this year. It's not perfect, right? It's still got work to do, but, I mean, it's a it's lot there, more than we had. more than past. any other year. Yeah, that's my point. And I think it's been nice to see that. Um, it's been nice to see some design plays. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of more ISO in today's game, right? But you still need those design plays here and there to get your offense going, right? And Doc can actually do that. With Brett, just didn't seem like it didn't seem like it was happening at all. Um, and I think with Maxie too, um, you know, this is a guy who had the shortest offseason, all these rookies, shortest offseason in NBA history, right? They got drafted in November and they were playing by late, like mid, late December. That's, a, that is a tall task to ask a guy who, you know, obviously again, they've been out of college for a while. They've been preparing for the draft, but you need, you need a good off season with the team and the coaching staff to get incorporated in. I think how quickly doc has been able to incorporate him in. And obviously a lot of that's Max. Don't want to take credit away from him, but how quickly he's been able to incorporate him into the offense and just how well Maxie's done. He's let Maxie be Maxie. I mean, he's a shot creator. He can take it to the lane. He's very crafty. I like that. I really, I really think that's been a big thing that I've been impressed with. And just in general, just getting shooters open. I think that's been nice to see. And obviously a lot of that is just, you know, the front office, I think, well, Daryl Morey specifically did a phenomenal job with getting guys like Seth Curry and um, all these other, like Danny Green and all that. Like the fact that he got Danny Green for Al Horford is pretty insane. I think that puts it in perspective. Um, so yeah, I, I've been, I've been very impressed. And I also think one thing that I was impressed with was when Isaiah Joe was playing really well in that one shot. That's your average right? Joe. When he was playing well, he didn't just take him out when, when Furcon and Matisse were, well, when I think when Furcon came back from, but they had the whole COVID thing, right? He didn't just take him out when all those guys came back, right? He, he made those guys earn their minutes back. And I think that's something that's admirable as Doc is a guy who's going to be hard on his team. But at the same time, he's also very – he, he keeps things in perspective, right? He's focused on the next game. He's not focused on this is where I think we're going to end up at the end of the year. I, this is what I think Ben needs to do over um, the course of the next five weeks or so. Did I cut out there? Or? Just a little bit, yeah. Okay. I was just going to say he's not focused on, like, what's going to happen with Ben, you know, 20 weeks from now or whatever it is, like months from now. He's focused on, okay, how are we going to win this next game, right? And I think he just does a really good job with his mindset of that. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I've really been impressed with, again, you guys mentioned the fit with Ben Simmons. It's been nice to see that instead of just, all right, we need more offensive production for Ben. Like, no, let's let's try to get a win tonight. And just if that means Ben not scoring a ton and just fitting into the offense or whatever it is or with any guy. I mean, it's just been nice to see him focused on that and – yeah, I think Doc brings a lot of leadership to our team. He's a guy who's won an NBA Finals before with a Celtics team. And he had a lot of talent there, but you have to be able to utilize that talent. I always stress that a lot. So I've been very impressed with Doc this year. I got you. And with that, everybody, we're going to call it on this pod. Look for more consistent Sixers content coming your way soon. Guys, it was great doing this one with you. 
Let's see where our boys end up by the end of all this, man. Go Sixers, go.